Welcome back to the Our View podcast. On today's show, I welcome my guest, Wesley Hamilton. Join us as we discuss the intersectionality of being African-American males who live with disabilities, his nonprofit Disabled But Not Really, his experience of being on the Netflix show Queer Eye, and the importance of self-love. Um, you know, before we get started, but, um, again, thank you so very much for agreeing to do this. I, I truly appreciate it. I'm just, uh, really starting out with, uh, my podcast in June. And, um, one of the goals that I had was I really wanted to highlight, um, people of color who have disabilities because I still feel that we are underrepresented in that, uh, in, in the world. Uh, our stories don't get told and, and we're not out there as much. So um, I truly appreciate you uh, doing this. <laughs> no, I appreciate it too. Um, yeah, I, you know, you can go back and forth some, <clears throat> sometimes with my team, um, you know, and we try to find like different, I would say when we get reached out for different opportunities, sometimes it's a lot and become overwhelming. And so I remember kind of looking at, uh, you know, just kind of your, your setup on your page and looking at like what your direction was. And then as well as like looking at your engagement on some of the posts and things. And I remember just re uh, telling my uh, publicist that uh, I said, yeah, you know, we don't get a lot of people that are willing to share these stories. And so like for you to just want to begin something makes sense in this time because this is the time where people is listening more than thinking that they know and so because it's so much happening sharing stories that align with you know today's uh issues really makes sense so yeah man it's an honor appreciate oh, it oh great thank you <laughs> i always uh start off my episodes by asking my guests to uh to introduce themselves just because uh I know for my for me, there's a lot more to me besides my disability. <clears throat> yeah. So you know, I always like to, uh, you know, let let my guests introduce themselves so you can uh, share what you would like about uh, who you are as a Wesley Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> my name is Wesley Hamilton. I am the executive director of a local Kansas City nonprofit by the name of Disabled But Not Really. I am also an adaptive athlete, speaker, model, influencer, advocate. Uh, and then I like to end it with, I really don't care about none of those titles uh, because I'm more than that. I'm just Wesley Hamilton. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, you know, and, and as I said, I like to do that because you know, for me, a lot of people, I'm also a wheelchair user and I use crutches. And so you can see my disability at times. And a lot of times uh, conversations start with that just because it's, uh, you know, it's visible. So I, I always like to ask people to introduce themselves because, as you said, you have all of those titles, but you're just Wesley Hamilton. <laughs> like that's really, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
really really cool awesome. um, yeah so if um if we could could we get into um about your diagnosis and um what it what it is um you know how how it occurred and all of that sure 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 um so basically let's see eight and a half years ago i was shot multiple times which uh caused me to have a spinal cord injury um my gunshot wounds were uh in my abdomen and so that's where i sustained my injury uh, my level of injury is a t11 t12 incomplete spinal cord injury um and yeah like uh i know i just kind of surfaced that but mm -hmm going in depth, um, it was a verbal altercation that led to a misunderstanding, um, which eventually put me in this position, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. Yeah. The best that's... I could. <laughs> Cause I'm pretty yeah. sure you might have some questions. And so, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to go too much in depth and start to explain it until, you know, unless you want, you know, you can ask yeah, you... some questions. Yeah, you you definitely you can go into uh, more depth of that if if uh, you don't mind. <laughs> I mean, because you know, I, I do I do truly believe that uh, a lot of people, uh, yeah, I think we do surface those stories a lot, but uh, for people to understand, especially what representation means and um, for our community, I will go in depth. Um, you know, I always tell people that you know, for my whole life, I never really visualized myself being disabled because I, I didn't, I wasn't born disabled. Um, so, you know, at the age of 24, um, I'm just going over to an ex-girlfriend's house to talk about a personal situation. It became an engagement that, you know, uh, led to a verbal altercation. This altercation, um, <laughs> Honestly, be real with you, man. She was going in the house with another dude, bro. <laughs> be honest. Look, and I at that time I never knew like what my emotions was or how I felt like what love was or anything. But I was hurt, you know. Even though we had ended it uh, several weeks before, I was hurt. And so I always say like my actions and emotions played a lot in that that moment um, of what, what caused me to be paralyzed because I could have left. I could have left when I visualized them going into the house, you know, instead 30 minutes later, they're they're waiting on, you know, me to be rushed to the uh, hospital. So within that time of bad choices, you know, and, and the mindset that I, that I had. So again, I grew up, I grew up in the inner city, Kansas city, Missouri. Um, and I was in the streets. Like that was my directive. That was what, I knew that's what I was around. Um, so I, I became a product of my environment. And so my mindset was not of growth. It was not of like reacting different. It was reacting, you know, off of instinct. And so like for me, I had a lot of ego and pride of just who I was and where I come from and living that lifestyle. I think having that negative mindset really, you know, captivates in situations, right? Like it, mm -hmm. it makes you really feel like you got this rage or this 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 fire that you gotta keep keep that flame. And so that I remember that day of just being that. I wanted that flame because I was hurt, but I didn't want to be weak in that moment. You know, and and 
honestly, the weakness was what led to me being in this position. But at that moment, I didn't realize it. So, yeah. Um, after the altercation, I honestly thought the situation was done, man. And I started walking back to my car. And that's when I was shot. So I didn't see the man that shot me. The man that actually shot me, I never seen him a day in my life, actually. Um, but I made that I made that environment and that energy so hostile that the person that was inside the house actually called someone over. And so that was how that all transpired. Um, you know, because it never, again, it never went man-to-man argument argument it was a lot of just eyes and probably a lot of intimidation um and 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 again misunderstanding they thought i had a gun so of course for me living that lifestyle i normally would have had a gun but i just went grocery shopping and it was my birthday weekend so i was trying to be on something different um but I called someone over that did have one, you know, because I wanted to feel protected. So I, I you know, at first I sh- feel like I sugarcoated, but I wanted to go in depth because a lot of that um, speaks on like my accountability and my growth now, but really want to give people the awareness of like that mindset that you have when you've never seen more of opportunities or anything like that. So yeah, but that's what led me to having this T11, T12, spinal cord injury which you know i'm very humbled about (laughs) yeah and you know i I think like you said it's it's really important to go into the depth of the story um you know just to to understand i i you mentioned something about uh like the the weakness of it all so you know at, at that time you you is it that you thought that walking away from that situation would have been a weakness or? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't built on walking away, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you always, you always stood up and you was a man, you know, that's how it was. Right. So uh, that's what I believe at that moment I had to stand my ground. I had to be a man. And walking away would have found I would have felt weak in that position because, you know, I felt powerless to see somebody that I had been with for a while and you know fell in love with going into the house with somebody else only after you know several weeks of us breaking up, mm-hmm. and um, I was over there to talk about a pregnancy, so let's mm-hmm. be honest. So like you know I'm. Yeah, it felt for me to leave knowing that I was there talking about something that in my mind I would have to live with for the rest of my life, which let's be let's be real, it never was a pregnancy. So I literally went over there for nothing. So let me be real on that. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was never a pregnancy. Um it was a lot of spite that she told me she was pregnant because we broke up. You see, and so so seeing that man was really her moving on, but really trying to hold me down too. It was a lot of toxicness that I, I believe I played a major part in too. So I don't want to add, you know, but yeah, walking away would have been weak, man. I've never been a person to walk away and I've never seen people walk away. And not from the community that I grew up, you know, that wasn't it. Right. Yeah, that's uh, it's really... Uh... Yeah, I I really appreciate you going into that um, because, you know, I I think in the world we are in today, um, you know, we see a lot of, um, 
a lot of violence against uh, people of color, African-American men. Um, you know, so I, I think it's really important to, uh, you know, have that, that discussion in depth as, as you just did. So thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, something else you, you mentioned was, uh, you know, that you, you said something to the effect of you didn't see yourself as being disabled because you weren't born uh, with the disability. That's really, um, it's really interesting because even though I, I was born with a disability, the people I surrounded myself with, my family and my friends, they never really made me feel like I had a disability. They made me see that I had to do things differently, uh, you know, but I still had to do chores around the house and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I never really uh, identified as, as one as having a disability. And then, uh, you know, at, at 10 or 11 years old, my parents decided to send me to a camp uh, for people with disabilities. And I was, like the next day calling them, like, come and get me. I'm, you know, I want to go home. <laughs> because, to, <laughs> yeah, because to me, I was like, I don't have a disability. Like yeah, these yeah. other children here, they, they need a place like this, but it's not for me, you know? And it, yeah. it was a two week, it was a two week camp and they made me stay for a week before they came and got me. <laughs> Oh man, you're still ready to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> they said, well, stay for a week. And if you're ready to go, then we'll come and get you. I said, I'm sure I will be ready to go because this is not, you know, it's not for me. So it's um, interesting, uh, you know, how you said that because you weren't uh, born with a disability, you, you didn't feel as, as though you were disabled. Well, <clears throat> and then to, you know, add to that, you know, um, especially now as being an advocate for the disabled community, growing up, uh, especially elementary school and uh, any any grade school, the kids that had disabilities were separated from the class. So right. you always knew there was something different. Visually, mm -hmm. as a kid, I think that's always, you know, in, in part of my advocacy, I see that as an issue. I do see it should be, I do see more improvement of putting people in classrooms and making them more inclusive. But when I was growing up, it was never seen. So I remember, you know, um, I just remember even being told that I was this, you know, paralyzed. Like it was unreal. Like that mm -hmm. wasn't something I could believe because I could never visualize myself being in a position of a limitation because when I grew up, they always made it seem like it was something wrong. So mentally for me, I was already going in thinking it was a problem. Right. You see, and it wasn't, like everyone made it normal and like, oh no, it's okay. Like, no, they separated everybody. You know, you had to keep looking straight. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't ask questions. Like, honestly, we should have asked questions. But at that time, it was like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. You know how the stigmas go. Mm -hmm. And that, so finding out that I was paralyzed really shifted, um, you know, everything into like that depression stage and all, because I couldn't accept it. Um, but I will say, because I speak about it a lot, I believe that I was mentally disabled before I became physically, meaning the growth and the mindset that I have today, I would have never acquired if I, if I didn't become paralyzed because of being, being a product of my environment only allowed me the limitations that that system had designed for me to acquire. You know, like, and, and, and you know, from knowledge and things I had, I would have really had to step out my box and get to those things to seek that growth. But none of that was available 
or seen or having that representation in those communities to see it. So when we, when I got in this position and you see who I am today and what I'm doing, man, I can't, I, I'm grateful for being in this position because it woke me up. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, uh, that's like a, a, like a full circle moment kind of thing. That's just, it really <laughs> from one, yeah, it really uh, tells a, a great journey and a great story because as you said, even, even for me having a disability, I, uh, I was still in all of my classes with all of my classmates. So I wasn't separated, but there were, you know, those who were separated from everyone else. So, you know, so that was another thing I think that played into my mindset of, oh, I don't have a disability, you know, because I'm, I'm still with everybody else. And, yeah. and that was, that also played a, a part in me creating this, uh, my Our View company, because you don't, as you mentioned, you don't get to ask questions. You have to, you know, don't, you know, don't pay attention to them, look ahead, look straight ahead and all that kind of stuff, as you mentioned. So it's, uh, you know, allowing students now to uh, have me come into the classroom and get to ask questions uh, to me, I think is, is really uh, something different that they don't, you know, that I didn't have the experience to have, uh, you know, and as you mentioned, you didn't have it as well. <clears throat> and I love talking to kids and I do that a lot. Um, just because of the questions they ask. And it's like, man, and when you answer it, you're like, oh my God, what have I just done to redesign the rest of, you know, this child's life? Because now a child will never see something wrong. We'll always see something more. And it's like, man, yeah. So I'm always open to answering questions. I actually love answering questions now. I do people. too. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. And I, uh, actually, I recorded a, an episode for someone else's podcast yesterday, and they asked me what was the craziest question that you've ever uh, have been asked by a, a student. And I said, uh, I can't feel below my knees. So um, one of the students asked, well, if you were ever around lava, uh, would you be able to feel it? If your foot got in lava, would you ever be able to feel it? And I'm like, no, I like the way you think, but no, I, I still wouldn't be able to, to feel it because I can't feel my feet. So, you know, no matter how hot or cold it is, I, I still wouldn't be able to feel it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the, the mind of, you know, a fifth grader is like really interesting. So, <laughs> very, but, very. Uh, yeah. Um, so can you, you mentioned uh, when you introduced yourself, uh, about disabled, but not really. Can you talk more about that, how you uh, came to form that, where the name came from, uh, which I love a lot. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. No, appreciate it. Um, so, um, disabled, but not really. <clears throat> All right, here's the story. <laughs> All right, wait. All right, so when I, First got paralyzed. My, um, of course, I go into depression. I go into this, this stage of uh, not accepting. Um, I just, I couldn't accept it. So, you know, I had that depression. I wanted to get back to being normal. And I was, I couldn't accept this new normal, basically. So by the end of my first year uh, of, you know, not caring, not doing what I needed to do uh, when it comes to pressure releases, when it came to um, you know, just even get offloading. Like, man, I was sitting in my chair all day and just soaking it. Basically, I hated it. I didn't even want to just 
I didn't want to cast myself. I didn't want to do anything. I just hated it. And so uh, that led to me having a pressure ulcer on my tailbone by the end of my first year. Um, by, and again, I'm like, man, this little bitty sore. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not caring about it at all. So I go into like a couple months of really just being careless where it gets to like a stage four. So now oh, they wow. got me where I'm doing 21 hours a day bed rest. Like, man, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to get back into life. And like, man, I'm so, cause of where it was and the way I kept it, how bad it was. So I had a wheelchair that linked. It was just a bad type of, it was just a bad wheelchair. You know how mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that time, it was my first wheelchair. So I really wasn't, you know, knowing like what a wheelchair could feel like or whatever. Right. So I just hopped in it. Well, it wasn't really angled right for my posture. So it kept causing me to really cause that pressure. And so I had to stay off of it. I had wound vax. They gave me a colostomy. Like, man, I was going through all this for like two years. Like, oh, I'm, wow. man, I'm defeated. Like, I'm telling you. And like, I'm like, I, don't, I really don't know what to do. Like, honestly, I'm just lost for words. I got a, uh, I got the pick line because um, I had to get the IVs and have the nurses coming in every day. Like, this is, this is like, wow. man. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the disability, right? Like, I'm right. feeling the debilitation. I used to tell people I was confined to four walls for a long time. You know, like, I would, I would literally look at my walls every day, and I would just hate the situation, suicidal thoughts, like, defeat, like, beating my legs up because I just, like, man, why are they here? Like, why he didn't finish this job? Like, that went on for about two years. So what happened? All right, this is what happened. In the midst of all of this... I'm still a father. So I know I didn't throw that out at the beginning, but when I first got injured, I had just got sole custody of my daughter. And I try to I try to use that last just because how my story goes and you listen to everything I've been through, but to know I was a father through it all. You know, so like as soon mm -hmm. as, you know, I'm waking up and I got this little girl I got a raise that I just got custody of. And so I really did not accept that or how I could how she could accept me. So I'm learning how to be strong for her in these positions. And so even though I'm weak and I'm, I'm defeated, um, I still wanted to be strong. And she was a kid, a real, you know, so it was like, you're going swimming, you're going to the park and I can't do that. And I wanted right. to do that. I wanted that joy. And so because I wanted that joy, I, um, I asked the doctor one day, I said, man, what can I do to heal my body? Like, what can I do to get this wound to heal? And he said, add more protein to your diet, you know, and that, that would help. And that started off with them giving me uh, like a wound um, healing, like drink called like Rejuven, I think. And then it was like another one called Insured with the protein. And I couldn't drink Insured because my grandma drank it. And so like mentally, I'm like, man, old people drink this drink and I can't drink this stuff. <laughs> I'm right. stuck on it. This is just about, you know, it's about to be life. But then... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and the other drink was like something that you had to put in water. I've never been a fan of those drinks, you mm -hmm. know, like I've never been a fan of something that you got mixed with water. Just never. Right. So <laughs> uh, I'm like, what do I do? Uh, and again, at this point, <laughs> so I'm only like five, four or five, five. I'm, I'm overweight. So I'm about 250 and I say overweight because I'm short. And when I'm, you know, walking, I always tell people walking wasn't a problem, but sitting in a chair 
and really being heavy and not accepting like me being heavy because mm -hmm. I had never accepted it walking. I was just like this big, I was in the streets, man. You weren't about to talk about it. You know, so like I mentally was like, man, I'm a big dude. I'm, hey, I'm king mm -hmm. shit, basically. <laughs> honestly, that was the mindset. So now I'm in this chair. I'm sitting awkward. I'm dealing with all this, these heat rashes. I'm dealing with all of this stuff that's dealing with my weight. You know, and so um, when the doctor told me to add protein to my diet, I'm like, man, how do I do this? Because I don't even eat healthy. I, uh, I think I told somebody I, a double quarter pound of a cheese. That was mm -hmm. what I, you know, mentally thought could be. Is that protein? Like, that was my question. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's, that's cool, right? So I end up going to a local community college. Man, I don't know how this got into my mindset to do this, and, but I did. So I went to uh, community college. Uh, took up a dietitian course and so I learned nutrition on a whole different scale I always tell people when I open that book up it blew my mind of all the things I never learned about food and I fell in love with it because it was the right thing about food and not the wrong thing and I had always grew up knowing sweets and candy and chips and this but also of living in food deserts and things like that we only ate what we had access to and not knowing that it was another way of eating that made you feel good you know, made you be active, made you right. lose. So it was like, I started reading this. And I think the biggest thing that shifted my mindset was when I seen how much sugar was in soda, right? Like I drank Dr. Pepper every day, every day. <laughs> like that was like my go-to. If I was mad, give me a Dr. Pepper and a honey book. That was me all day. <laughs> and uh, I remember just looking at how much sugar was in a can to a 20 ounce and so on, and it like disgusted me because I was always that sweet tea guy that got us some sugar sometimes and throw it in my tea, but I was always mindful that I wouldn't just be throwing it, throwing it, throwing it. Well, hell, when I seen all that sugar, it was like, they was just throwing it, throwing it, throwing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, so like, man, you know, so I started drinking water and mm -hmm. fast forward to a year later of just eating healthy, um, I would go to a local uh, rehab. They had a machine called a new step. And I liked the new step because I could hook my legs up to it and use my hands, but it really moved my whole body. So it was like a cardio machine. Um, and since I couldn't get out, I only had three hours a day to get out the bed. So mind you, so I would drive about 30 minutes back and forth to community college. I spent about 30, 45 minutes in just a class. That was my way of being social and getting into society because I still couldn't accept being in this wheelchair, right? Like I had this philosophy, I had this wound back on, but I'm still going to school. Like I'm dealing with all these defeats that make me insecure, but I'm still trying to be more. Um, and so uh, by my last surgery, I was shot January, 2012, because I like my timeline. By my last surgery, January, 2015, I was a hundred pounds lighter. Dude, I never lost weight when I was walking. Mm -hmm. I was 135 pounds and I remember having shoes and clothes on and I remember looking at the doctor and said so that means I'm about 130 because these clothes probably about five pounds I was so <laughs> proud of myself right like but it, it was mind-blowing it was mind-blowing because I could never do it walking I could ne I never had the willpower to do something that I I just man I thought I was big bonded I thought that was mm -hmm. a real thing I do. I really thought it was a real thing. So um, I remember uh, after that, I had six weeks of healing on a, 
bed called a clinitron bed. And so uh, six weeks, but at this time I'm eating healthy. So I, I remember getting my own little mini refrigerator in there. I had my meal prep. I was doing my thing, right? Like, and uh, I remember taking a picture, uh, like in a hospital. I wish I could find this picture, but I wasn't still mentally all where I am today. So a lot of my old social media might have been negative, so I had to get rid of. <laughs> but I remember taking a picture and hashtagging disabled but not really. And like all my like family and friends and you know, because at this time I was skinny, man. I had a skinny face. I think it was like I was in the little gym and I had little abs, little baby abs. Mm-hmm. My, <laughs> I was so skinny and I remember just saying disabled, but not really. And um, you know, and it was just like a positive feedback from just my family and friends. And um, and so as I was sitting in that bed, I started researching like, how can I help? other people with disabilities feel like I feel at that moment, right? Like that was it because like my mindset of being defeated was because I thought that was real. I thought that defeating a disabled community was something that was just, that was normal, right? Because that's what I had visualized, maybe because I wasn't surrounded by people with disabilities all the time. So when I did see them, it was at the hospital. It was maybe at like, you know, it was, it was always the wrong representation especially for somebody coming from where I come from. Like, I was just defeated. And I'm like, man, now, hell, I can help so many people. I don't know where it came from, because trust me, (laughs) in the streets, I helped. But I wasn't like that friendly now. (laughs) And and this was like a mind, like, really changed. Like, I, I, I overcame not only my physical disability at this moment, I overcame that mental disability that I lived with my whole life of not really thinking that I could go after what I believed in. And this is something that I felt like I needed. And when I went after it, I succeeded, right? And mm-hmm. that really like changed everything. And that's how the organization started. I, I created my logo, I signed, I mean, I, I registered for it all in that hospital bed. And when I got out, wow. that's when I started to now do my like community work and let people know exactly what that meant. Because I knew that I had to define disabled, but not really, if people wanted to understand that. The first part was the, the nutrition, right? Like the overcoming of the mindset, the willingness to accept now of who I am because I had did something I never could do walking. So you don't think I'm going to accept this? Hell yeah. Care about mm-hmm. my skinny legs no more, man. It's chest and <laughs> chicken legs right now. You know what I mean? But I'm cool with it, you know? And so it was like, me overcoming that, I did want to go and seek and help everybody else, and I knew I could define it. And so, yeah, that's how Disabled But Not Really um, started. And then just the whole mission uh, now is more or less, of, uh, you know, to instill a physical limitless mindset to those that are physically, mentally, or emotionally disabled. Um, and then I always capture, when, I always go back to when I talk about mentally, I talk about the, the inner city mindsets, right? The, the mindset that I overcame. Right, like when I think about disabled, not really. I didn't just overcome this physical limitation. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm something that I would never seen. I'm something that my mom, my dad, my grandma didn't see. Right? Because they never. I'm the first of anything. You see what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in my family on a different scale. Right. Like I'm. I'm. You know, this creator making things happen. Like this is something that nobody's seen. So I became that for everybody else around me, which is helped shape and change my community one by one as well. 
And so, yeah, yeah. It's that not really, man. It's this is what we're about. That's awesome. <laughs> that, and to, you know, to, to think that it came from, you know, all that you had been through and, you know, having the, you know, the, the setback of the, you know, the pressure sore and, and all of that and just, um, you know, and then just having that one day where you're just like, okay, like, hey, <laughs> I'm disabled, but not really. Like, that's really, that's really cool. Well, wow. you can't tell me you can't tell me that I'm limited when I just did something that I know walking I, I challenged and battled. So how many other people that are able challenge and battle this? So what's the limitation? Is it a limitation? Is it our mindsets that are limited? Or is it something that people visualize? Because now I've done something which allows me to now be motivated to do more. Like I never worked out till I became paralyzed, right? Mm -hmm. Then two years into that, after my surgery. I was an award-winning adaptive athlete, competing in bodybuilding and CrossFit nationwide. How does that happen? You see what I mean? Like, I'm climbing ropes in a wheelchair. Bro, I ain't never seen a rope that you could okay. climb before I got in a wheelchair. <laughs> but that will and that ambition and that understanding that people can see something of a limitation. Nah, it's up here. See, the limitation mm -hmm. that they've already seen is the one that they thought that I had. You see, right. when people visualize the the lesson you, that's the lesson them. That's what I learned a long time ago. So I don't go off the feed of people telling me what I can't do because I know I've done so much more than they've ever done. And nobody mm -hmm. can understand your struggle or your battle. But when you overcame a mindset that would have led you to being dead or in jail if you never got in a position like this, and then you overcome that mindset of being defeated and lacking of ac acceptance in a community, that does not represent you well. <laughs> wow. Overcome that to be something that now allows people to see that representation in a positive way and not a negative way, even though I define all stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Man, you better tell me. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. That's my fuel every day. That's what motivates me and gets me going. It's mm -hmm. knowing that the mental mindset that, you know, a lot of people have is what freed me, is when I overcame that. It didn't matter this. It was just the mindset. Wow. Perception is power. The way you see your life is the way you live it. That's so true. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing, the one thing I, I want to go back to with uh, disabled, but not really, and even... Uh, which is part of your own story is the nutrition part. Yeah. Um, you know, for me personally, I, I discussed it in my first episode of my podcast where, you know, I talked about not, um, not being able to eat a lot of things because my body, my system just doesn't handle a lot of things well. So it is, you know, as you mentioned, the double quarter pounder with cheese, like it's easier for me to eat that because I know how my body will respond to that. Uh, rather than eating the salad and, you know, all the vegetables and things like that. It's just, you know, it's just how nature works. And so it's just really, uh, you know, it's important that someone like you who has a disability that is, you know, helping others, uh, you know, with the nutrition part of it, because it's hard to work out. And sometimes, you know, your body doesn't want you to work out and you, you're tired or you're achy or whatever. And just to, um, you know, to have that part of your, uh, 
you know, your nonprofit, I think it's really, uh, really important. <laughs> the, the, you know, obesity is a problem in the disabled community. Mm-hmm. And what it, what, where the problem lies, and here goes my advocate, you know, here's Wesley. But no, where the problem lies, man, is, is that nobody, everyone sees your limitation and they do not see what you can do. So they want to be so cautious on you to be active. You know, like, I don't want to play sports, bro. I ain't never played sports in my life. So, like, you telling me go shoot a basketball? I mean, I didn't work out either, but it's easy to lift weights than you're trying to shoot. Bro, I've been right. teased on the court even to this day because I can't shoot, bro, and I'm okay with that. Right. But you cannot give me just that one avenue, right, that does not allow me to be strong, does not allow me to be healthy. You know, and then also in our community, there's a lot that deals with medicine, right? Like, I, I got a blog I love to write, right? Like, so I got a personal blog on my website. And I got a blog that says it was not the depression, it was the medicine. You know what I mean? Because I'm not on medicine today. And you see how positive and happy I am. Do I still mm-hmm. go through my chronic pain? Hell yes. Do I know how to deal with it mentally? Hell yes. Mm-hmm. Because now I know that if I eat right, if I'm exercising, and if I'm mentally healthy, most likely I can handle the pain. You right. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm drinking enough water, most likely I can handle it. I've kind of literally figured out where my pain comes from, how long my pain lasts. So I'm not going to allow a minute of something hard to feed me for 24 hours. Right. No, I just get quiet and start talking when I'm done. Like, and my family and my friends and my, my uh, colleagues, they know that now. Even when I go speak, I, I let them know, look, I deal with chronic pain. If I'm speaking, I'm feeling it, cool. But if I'm speaking and I can't, I can't handle it, I might go pause for a minute, but I'm coming right back. Don't ask me I'm okay, because I'm great. Right. This is something I got to deal with. You know, and so it's like having that ability to really teach people the difference. Like, now I got PTs and OTs and like, oh, and they're using me as that reference and looking at these new avenues. Well, these are new. This is not the old book. So I think with Disabled Not Really, we're able to rewrite the book, you know, but also we're rewriting the book with the right representation that a whole demographic, at least half of the disabled community that looks like you and I don't get a chance to see. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, when I'm on boards and when I'm sitting there at tables, I don't see a lot of people that look like me and you that's representing the disabled community. Right. I see my voice and then maybe a few others, but not when you at the head table, the directors, the, the CEOs. Now we got advocates, but mm-hmm. you know, in, in a black community period, we're still talking ownership. And that's what we don't have a lot when you think about the voices and the voices can only be heard if you have that certain position to help amplify it. And I think that that's what Disabled But Not Really does is amplifies the representation in these communities that lack it. Lack it. Mm-hmm. And it's showing wow. people how to overcome their mental challenges. No matter if your mental challenge is part of your limitations that are physical, knowing that you can free yourself mentally will literally lift you up no matter what limitations that you have physically. That's it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time I'm walking walking i mean you might see me rolling but i'm walking you know like (laughs) i'm free over here right yeah (laughs) yeah exactly you know yeah the yeah your chair is 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 really uh 
you know, it really is freeing. It does allow you to do a lot and uh, like that. Wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit blown away by this conversation. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I came to know about you through um, a friend of mine. She uh, told me about the episode of Queer Eye um, that you were on. And I was really, you know, I, I was glad to see uh, someone of color on a show like that and, and someone of color uh, who has a disability. Um, can you talk about what your, what, ex what your experience was with, uh, the show and, and some things that you, they helped you learn about yourself? I mean, you know, me being on this journey already of like acceptance and I was already at a point of knowing who I was and getting to, mm -hmm. you know, that positive mindset. So I remember getting reached out from the show. And of course my first thought coming from where I come from, like, oh my God, like, hell, I even fit in the show with five gay guys. Like, I remember having to go watch it and um, just see if I aligned right. Because, I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a realist, man. Like, I, I believe, like, I always stay solid. I live by codes. I live by morals. That's probably the street in me. And so, like, for me, it was more like I didn't want a platform just to put my face on. I wanted a platform that actually made an impact for my community. Because I know that where I am right now, I don't see a lot of people in my community getting it. So, like, I was always looking at the bigger picture. And I mm -hmm. seen how, they, you know, I, I remember looking at the Jones Sisters video. Uh, they had a, a from Kansas City. And I'm. Uh, it was the most, I mean, a, a lot of their episodes were heartwarming. But it was the most heartwarming, heartfelt episode that I had ever seen in my life, like, um, I think, I don't know if you've seen that one, but they had, they basically fixed her teeth, you know, and they went in mm -hmm. and, and she had, you know, she, the lady, she would never smile. And I, I see that in my community so much of, you know, that lack of confidence. And even though she was successful, she just always did cover her face and they fixed it and she smiled. She still smiles to this day. And I was like, none of, nothing else on that show mattered, but that. Like that confidence that you've seen just making a difference in somebody's life. And I was like, you know, and I started looking around. I'm like, okay, maybe this can't align with me. And the person I am today was not the person I used to be. So I was more open-minded to opportunities mm -hmm. as well. And so, yeah, so they come in and, of course, they work out on different elements from home to clothing to, like, mindset to grooming. And so, of course, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for it. I remember I was cutting my hair. I had long cornrows, you know, and I had mm -hmm. the last day I had my hair cut was the day I got shot. So it was like, um, it was a lot of weight that I was holding on to that. Of course, I'm trying to get it back out now. I love my hair, but um, <laughs> yeah. So it was like trying to release that, you know, and then too, you know, being in a wheelchair, even though I was gaining this confidence, I always wore fitness clothes because I never knew that we could really dress nice. Again, you didn't see a lot of that representation. You see it little bit now, but still, I could dress in certain clothes and it's still kind of awkward, you know? And right. and, um, and because of that, they just showed me how to kind of have that confidence, which opened up me to be a model. So, I mean, it was cool. And then, uh, <laughs> but I think the whole experience then of just being on that show was because I had never seen myself surrounded by five gay men. And, but what I seen being open-minded was that they wasn't five gay men, they were just five, five free men. Right, mm -hmm. like they were free 
because they were they had already accepted who they were and they were okay with showing that to the world despite how the world seen them. And see, when I'm a black man with a disability and I represent two communities, it, it was more of me being open-minded and seeing that and what can I learn from y'all? Because I have to accept this because the world sees these two different things I represent sometimes the wrong way, mm-hmm. right? So it was like, that was my mindset going into that show. And it was like, okay, let's keep it going. Let's do this. Let's do that. And um, and yeah, so I mean, what I gained was being free. I would say by the end of the show, I was free. You know, there was no way I was not free after that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, I, again, I had already prepared myself and got to a position. But the ultimate freedom was the moment I was able to forgive myself by looking at the man that shot me and telling him thank you. You know, it was not, I was not going in to forgive him, you know? And so um, with, but again, with everything and how that, that episode transpired, um, it was like, all of this was just a plan that was supposed to take place. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my first initial interview with Queer Eye. Um, I ended that interview with saying he gave me life and he tried to take my life. And you know, and that was that was my affirmation I would use every day because I had accepted the life that I have now. And I had realized that it was never like something bad. Like, man, I was bad. You know, I look at karma, I believe in it. Hell, what if those three, four years of defeat was me getting kicked in the ass for always being hard-headed? I'm okay with that because the life I have now is great. Right, like it don't matter with the success or anything. It's just the happiness I have, the right. freedom I have. Right, like that's what makes me feel good. That's what he gave me was freedom. See, mm-hmm. took me from the mental chains that I was always strapped on to my whole life. Like you free me, and it and allow, and the only way I could be free that that through that was witnessing five men that also face that discrimination for who they are, and the fight that they have on being, you know, showing who they are and being proud of it, but accepting who they are so they really don't care how people see them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's, um, you know, and I I do remember you, uh, that in that episode, you um, saying you hadn't had your hair cut since you, uh, since the day uh, that you had got shot. And that was really, you know, that was, powerful to see, you know, and, and like you said, carrying the weight of all of that for all those, you know, all those years and, uh, you know, to see, to see how it, it transformed you and helped, uh, you know, helped with uh, freeing you from, uh, from that day. Oh, yeah. No, man, it was, I mean, the day I met the man that shot me, man, I lost my, one of my closest cousins early that morning due to uh, diabetes. Um, and so, a lot of people don't know that, man. I, I could not grieve that whole day. We had filmed my haircut and we had filmed me meeting Maurice that night. I was literally 30 minutes before I wanted to call her quits. Like wow. I was hurting. I was hurting, but that was when I knew that something more powerful was in me and my purpose in life was not to be defeated by that adversity, but to actually feed into it and know that all great things do not happen unless we are t- Tested. And sometimes the tests that we get faced with might be one of the hardest tests in our lives. And that, mm-hmm. that test that life gives us 
it might it honestly is one that we we don't expect you think i expected to lose my cousin and get a call at 6 a.m when my father knew i was filming for a netflix show like mm -hmm. like uh, no i did not but and i think that's strength i prayed maybe 30 minutes before and i just asked my cousin i said be with me be with me i remember rolling into that 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 shop and I know you. everyone's seeing like the tense look on my face. And I'm like, you know, I was bothered. I just got done crying, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> we're crying in the car with Karamo. Like, I was literally like, oh my God, I could not hold it. And when I went in, I felt every angel around me. Wow. Like, nah, man, you about to do this. This is your, this is, this is, this is, they ain't seen, this ain't never happened. Mm-hmm. Where two black men can look at each other and one can say, look, I get it. I accept this because I took accountability of my actions. In the world that we live in today, that mattered. That message mattered. It don't matter if one or two people get it. It don't matter. But if that can change them and cause a ripple effect to help them react different to situations or start taking accountability of their own faults instead of blaming, because we all don't need to be victims. Mm -hmm. You know, moment of being free is the moment that you accept all things that happen to you in life you know and that's that's real you know it doesn't matter if we i didn't hey i didn't wake up and choose to be black but i am right like i i, I am and i'm proud of it right despite the adversity despite anything i'm proud of it and so like you know it's just it's it's that you know you have to be able to be proud despite the adversity of who mm -hmm. you are which you know, and I think that that's, that's just, yeah, man. I mean, no matter you wake up and, you know, life goes on, you know, we can't allow certain situations to control us. Instead, we use those situations to control that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the mindset. That's the mindset, but. Right. Yeah. Well, my, <laughs> the next question I had was um, to ask you about, uh, how self-love, resilience, uh, and change have played a role in your life and impacted your life. And I think you have um, effectively said all of that <laughs> already. <laughs> so, uh, but if I can, I just say self-love, you know, just, yes. just, I wanted people to love me when I never loved myself. I went my whole life feeling that way. I was always seeking love and never could look in a mirror and be happy with the person I saw. And so, you know, if I want to add to self-love is that every time I look in the mirror, I love every damn speck of me. <laughs> and so like, you know, it doesn't matter. My limitation doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter, but I love it. I love it. I love the adversity that I face. I love like the, you know, I love it. And so when I talk self-love, you have to love every damn thing about you. Because loving that will always allow you not to face, when you face that adversity, when you face those looks, when you face those, you know, those bad vibes or people saying this or saying that, you always can look back at yourself and be like, man, but you don't know me though. Right. And it ain't no. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, and, hey, and I love me. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not asking you to love me. I love me. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's it. And if I, as long as, I, and, and instead, so yeah, so focus on loving you and not looking for someone to love you, for you to love you. 
it has to start with you first. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. And that is, you know, that's a, a struggle for, for a lot of people, you know, regardless if they have a disability or not. Um, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's a definite struggle and, you know, the opinions of others, you know, having that not matter is, uh, you know, a bit difficult for, uh, you know, for people to handle. So uh, I think that's a very important message to, uh, to spread for sure. Um, so the last question um, I have uh, that I like to end my episodes with is, what do you want the world to know about people who live with disabilities? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I would like the world to know about people who live with disabilities. No, we're not different. I mean, that's the number one. Um, we're not different. We're not different. I, mean, we, I don't think nobody's supposed to look the same. Um, I don't think something should be, uh, you know, it's not normalized. Like, what is normal, right? Like, and so I think my first thing would be to let the world know that you know, people with disabilities, they're not different. We're unique. Um, we have, we all have stories that maybe you should listen to, learn from the adversity that we faced in life, um, you know, um, grow from it. Um, and because I think that people with disabilities are powerful. The world should know that we're superheroes in our own way um, because we have to battle um, we have to battle things that some will never face. We have to battle not only acceptance, but of ourselves. We have to battle wondering if society is going to accept us. We have to face um, lack of accessibility in places. Like our, our adversity extends so far that we should never be seen as something less because mm -hmm. our battle in life puts us way past anyone else. We are so much more than what people see us as. And so the world should see us as so much more. Without that, we can never be more because of the limitations that society sees. So my message, all to sum it up, we're not different. Hmm. We're no different than you. And so love us because we love you too. Yeah. That was great. I love that <laughs> message. Thank you so much for that. That was really, uh, really cool. Um, so to, to wrap all of this up, um, where, can, uh, where can the listeners find you on social media to follow you and, uh, you know, your website or any of your social media Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, disabled, but not really. Let's start with that. It's just how it sounds. It's not spelled any different. Um, disabled, but not really. org, and then on all social media is just disabled, but not really. My personal platform is I am West Hamilton. Um, if you have, if you find anything that uh, like says I am West, it's probably me. Um, I have a personal. I have a speaking page. Like I really try to switch it up because I don't like the titles, but I do so many things that. I do like to separate my platforms because some people might be motivated by the speaking West. Some people could be motivated by that athlete West, you know? And so it could be so many different things, 
But if you need to just have one resource to where you can find me, go to ionwesleyhamilton.com and everything is literally there. You can learn more about my story. You can see publications and editorials that I've been involved in. You can read my personal blog just to learn about my early struggles to today's uh, advocacy. Um, but yes, my journeys are all over. And one of my biggest things is if you really want to know about Wesley Hamilton and you don't want to do none of that, just Google me. <laughs> Google always works for sure. <laughs> yes. Well, well, Wes, thanks for, um, thanks for this opportunity to speak with you and to uh, share your story. I truly appreciate it as you know, as we talked about, I want to definitely use this platform to uh, share the story of people of color and uh, their disabilities, their journeys. And I uh, truly appreciate this, uh, this opportunity to speak with you. I have learned so much and you have definitely uh, inspired me and encouraged me to uh, keep going. And uh, so I, I really appreciate you taking the time for this uh, interview today. Oh, no, I appreciate you. I mean, this is what we got to do. This is how we feed each other's energy. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, remember, too, as, you know, with you and your platform, it's not about, like, just just believe in what you're doing and it makes an impact, okay? Mm -hmm. So don't look at the outside views. Don't look at the outside looks of it. Just keep pushing out these positive messages and allow your heart and what you believe in to really help you gravitate to wherever you're trying to go whatever you're manifesting it takes work and so the work you're putting in now will pay off and so this is just that give you that insight man keep doing it keep doing it um again thank you again and you um enjoy the rest of your day and i will definitely uh be in touch no no problem i truly appreciate you and again keep going after it and uh, it's an honor to just be able to share my story on your platform all right. Thank you so much and have a good day and, and we'll talk soon. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Our View podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. New episodes will be released on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. Do you want to help change the tone of conversation among your family and friends? Head over to our website for some Our View merchandise. Our website is www.our-view.com forward slash merchandise. I thank you for listening. Have a great day and take care. Ah!